Welcome to episode 8 of Yubcast. My name is Matt, and my mind just isn't what it was. I have trouble remembering even simple things. Good. Wow. <laughs> we haven't done one yet. My name's Jamie, and I don't speak bocce. I've got a really good uh, Force Awakens one coming up, too. I don't know why I didn't even think of Rogue One. It's one of my favorite movies. I just get stuck in certain zones. Well, since we've been going back and editing them, I realized that... I was doing a lot of prequels, maybe because I think it's okay to joke about the prequels. So my my wife found a cool discount uh, Star Wars thing at the thrift store today and got the first half of the 2003 Clone Wars cartoon for $3. Oh, nice. Pretty pretty stoked about that because I've been looking to buy a copy of it for a couple of months now because I don't own it. I've watched it on YouTube a couple of times, but I don't own it. And if you go online to get it, they're 15-ish dollars per disc. And so to get one for three dollars is a pretty good, pretty good find. You know, it's really amazing what you can find in thrift stores. Not this year, but the year before, I went back to uh, visit my folks in the one horse farming community that they live, and I was just wandering downtown with my mom, just trying to find something for my wife, something I guess kitschy or whatever for her birthday. And we wandered into a thrift store, and they had tons of Star Wars stuff, and they had like some Battle Star Galactica stuff too. At first, I thought I hit the mother load, like I'm spending pretty much the rest of the vacation money on all this stuff. <laughs> but it was all just really like worthless stuff that it would just be me buying it just for the hell of it. It, it wasn't really – the toys weren't really anything that I'd be like, ooh, I could you know give this to my son or I could put it up on a, the mantle. Or they were just like really just kind of just really crappy and was, the wind went out of my sails really fast. So I thought, oh, I might you know get some um, – get some character or some toy that's really hard to get that normally I'd have to spend a, a, a shit ton of money. I was uh, sadly mistaken. There's a reason why they're uh, in a thrift store in bumfuck nowhere. You know, this thrift store that she goes to has actually been sort of her Star Wars secret. She got a Legacy Slave 1, a Legacy Collection Slave 1 there for $5 once, and it was missing, like, one of the cannons. But those ships are $200 on eBay right now, and this was almost in perfect condition. And it's five dollars, and so I just immediately gave it to the boys. I was like, here you go, trash it. I don't care. It was five bucks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And you'd never give them a two hundred dollar toy and say, say like, go ahead and play with it. I don't care if you throw it off the bunk bed. <laughs> you know, but I'm right on. And they got a couple of Jedi starfighters, like um, the purple one, which I think is Mace Windu's, and the maroon one, which I think is Obi Wan's. They were both only a couple dollars. And, cool. And basically in perfect condition. And then she also got Grievous's ship, whatever, that from the cartoon. Um, we didn't even know it was a Star Wars ship until, we, until they brought it home. And I was like, oh, that's Grievous's ship. And that was also a couple dollars. So we've been relatively lucky there. And then the $3 DVD today, I looked at it, and it looks like no one's even opened it. There's like a scratch on the back of the case, but I don't care about that stuff. The mm -hmm. disc looks perfect. So Man, I'm jealous. Yeah, so I'm pretty pretty stoked about that. We will get to the Tardavoski Clone Wars, and I'm actually pretty excited that we're going to get there. Um, Eventually. The other news of mine for this week is that a, a, a co-worker of mine at my paying job, he sent me the despecialized editions of the original trilogy, which is something I've been researching for a while, and uh, he had downloaded them about a year or two ago, and just in, in .avi format, and so I downloaded uh, A New Hope and watched watched most of it the other day. Um, it's quite different 
And I'd watched the documentaries put together by the guys who were doing them. I'm pretty sure it's a Polish guy who's putting them back together. And so I knew the sections that they had changed. And so my neurotic self was focused in on like the do back outside of the cantina that they had replaced back with the um, non CGI do back with the head like a guy who was using a lever to move the neck. Um, it looks pretty fake, but I think part of the fakeness is they're despecializing. So I'm I'm gonna. Re- it's a very cool thing to have. Are they taking the VHS copies or are they taking the specialized and just cutting it? It's it's very complicated. Um, they couldn't use the VHS copies, copies because they were too low resolution. Mm-hmm. There's too much resolution lost when they go from film to the magnetic tape. And so they used multiple sources to rebuild the thing. Um, I'll, I'll shoot you a, a documentary that they made about their effort. It's not very long, and it's pretty interesting for the right kind of nerd. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't exist on Laserdisc. So they did use the Laserdisc. So the Laserdisc is one of their primary um, sources for this thing, but the tweening is bad on Laserdisc. Um, I guess that was a limitation of the Laserdisc. Laserdisc is one of those like pocket technologies that I completely missed. We were never rich enough to have a Laserdisc, and they were so short-lived. Right. I've never, I've never messed with Laserdisc, but the documentary talks about why, how they used the Laserdisc version, basically as as the primary reference, but how why they couldn't use it ultimately because of the tweening. And they showed like how when like a stormtrooper stands up, his face gets smeared and looks pixelated because he's moving too fast through the frame. Right, probably has to do with how um, how they um, transferred it to to digital. Right, and. Um, the, the different transfer rates. I, I took a class back in college that talked a lot about how uh, videos are stored. It was quite interesting. I don't remember too much about it, but I could definitely see that being a problem, trying to go from one to the other. In, in fairness to him and to Lucasfilm, they were some of the first movies that attempted that transition. And so the, if they're going to make mistakes, they were the ones that are going to do it. Mm-hmm. And then they were so slow. I don't know if you recall how slow they were to release DVDs of those movies. I didn't have a DVD player for the longest time. So it's kind of uh, that's kind of lost on me. My ultimate hope is that Disney buys Fox and then realizes that they can make a crap ton of money by re-releasing the original cuts on DVD. And then does it. Um, yeah, I, I would hope they they would do that. I'll give them $100 right now, today, for DVD cuts of those movies. Yeah, that's a fair price. Like I had mentioned in the previous episode, I had pre-ordered Battlefront. Uh, I did not get the uh, special Super Trooper Deluxe Edition. Um, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but you got to play it three days earlier. Is that the only difference? There's uh, some downloadable content you could get as well, but I'm not a big multiplayer fan, so... I find most people who play multiplayer shooter games are usually assholes. So, and I only play with, you know, people that I know. So a lot of that stuff doesn't, it doesn't really affect me if I get, you know, a special kind of gun or uh, an unlockable character. Supposedly my Battlefront did come with a version of Kylo Ren and Rey, but I haven't played the multiplayer yet. I've only gotten to play it once actually on a Friday night and I ended up staying to like up to like one in the morning and it is it's a lot of fun there's some people have some problems with it with the microtransactions i don't see that big of a deal i thought they disabled the microtransactions for now yeah no no they did but i just bought it really for the first person not the first person but the the campaign and and it's been a lot of fun i don't want to give too much away 
for you. You play uh, Iden Versio, and uh, you're an Imperial Special Forces soldier. And spoiler alert, you're there when the Death Star blows up. Yeah, I saw the trailer. The second, the second Death Star blows up, right? Mm-hmm. And we we haven't discussed the Battlefront books on here, but we both have read both Battlefront one and two, the books. And the second book is all about Aiden Versio. The first level is like any other game; they they just kind of getting you used to how it, how it works. Well, it's it's a lot of fun. I've made it through probably three levels, what would be considered levels, and I've had a blast. The funnest part was flying through the wreckage of the Death Star because you're trying to escape Endor. Because Admiral Vice Admiral Sloan orders a full retreat. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I when I saw that, I was like, oh yes. All the, you know, all this uh, nerdy stuff has finally paid off for me. I got a reference in a video game. I'm building a uh, custom Sloan action figure for the boys. I have every, all the pieces now, except I don't have the right um, insignia on the female officer's uniform. But I think I'm just going to make make it earlier in her career when she's only a commander. That works. But flying through the wreckage was just such a blast. The TIE fighter, it'll turn on a dime. And there's so much wreckage. What kind of TIE fighter? It's just a regular... TIE fighter, nothing, oh. nothing special about it. And you can choose different views, or you can choose like the third person view, or you can choose the first person view where you're actually sitting in the cockpit and you see the, the window. And I've been playing like that. Usually I would play the other way, but it's been a lot of fun. The only thing I don't like about it is that with the Battlefront games is that you can't really go explore because if you go uh, too far away, it'll start a timer that will kill you if you don't rejoin the battle. Because I really get the thing about games I really love is I love to just explore and see all the work that people have put into the game. Explore every little nook and cranny before I take the path, which, you know, let me progress in a level. I just love seeing everything. And I'm certain, certain that there's, that there's probably some like Easter eggs out there, like in the, in the wreckage. Oh yeah, I mean that's the type of stuff that that developers love to stick in, and Star Wars people love to stick in. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. It the only problem I've had with it so far, other than just not having the time to play it, it's taken me a long time to get used to playing as an Imperial versus just a Rebel or a Jedi, because you know most games are geared towards you playing the hero, mm-hmm. not the villain. Hayden's smugness is a little much for me. And some of the other characters, uh, Del Mico, oh, I can't think of the other guy's name, but they're in the book. You know, the way that they talk, the emperor, the empire is so superior and whatnot. The sort of stuff that you got in, uh, what's the book, Lost Stars? Yeah, I was going to say, the extended canon is actually putting, giving us a pretty thorough view of the other side, um, which has been a little disorienting because of Lost Stars, because of the Battlefront book, and then even parts of Aftermath from Ray Sloan's point of view. We've gotten a lot of lot more internal politics and a little bit more of a gray area as opposed to all these Nazis running around trying to exterminate the galaxy. Oh, yeah, even even in the uh, Thrawn book. Yeah, the Thrawn book, that's a great one. Great example of that. Price is very, very sympathetic. Especially in the beginning. Yeah, she's just trying to uh, just trying to make her way, and she gets screwed over constantly. But I was able to get over my hang-up of playing the bad guys because I got stuck on a part in on Endor where I kept on getting killed, and I was still getting used to the controls. And... It has a, a checkpoint system where you don't know what, you can't just save it or it's not just one battle, then a checkpoint. I'd have to go through 
like a, a couple waves of different rebels before I could get to the area where I couldn't pass. And I kept dying. So I got to the point where I was like, fuck these rebels. I'm going <laughs> to kill them as fast as I can so I can, so I can get on with the game. So I've, I'm really enjoying it. Hopefully I can play it over the uh, the holiday weekend. Yeah, well, good luck. If you need a Christmas present, you know, hint at the wife and make sure you get an Xbox One because I'm because that's what I have so we can play together. All right. I'll think about it. Not, nothing wrong with PS4. It's just, once again, with the Xbox, just like with Apple, I started with the Xbox a long time ago, and I'm pretty much locked in because I have so many games. I'm not a huge gamer, but uh, the stuff I've seen from the game looks tempting. Yeah, the... I just don't, I can't, I can't play it as much as I would love, like to. Part of being a responsible adult. That's what you would call me, I guess. Yeah, we can call it that. Yeah. So I forgot to, I forgot to do this the other day. I can do it now. Um, happy life day. Oh, yes. I put it on my Facebook and it was completely ignored, but uh, happy life day. Well, a friend of mine posted it. He's big in the horror community. He was the one who was in Sharknado. Sure. Uh, I told you about. And it's like, God damn it. We should have. Oh, we should have gotten our act together and released on Life Day. I had that thought, too. I was like, God damn it. But, um, oh, well, that ship has sailed. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to talk about a small thing we discovered while cleaning the house. Find a thermal exhaust port? Not exactly. What it is is a Star Wars trivia game. Uh, My son had got this through school. One of his friends had brought it for some auction they had. It's a it's a trivia game. It's just you know like Trivial Pursuit, basically, where it's just got a bunch of cards with questions and answers. Now, a while ago, we we cracked it open and we thought we would play. I thought that I was pretty knowledgeable in Star Wars. That would do all right. It is super hit and miss. Like these these are they're super easy questions, and there's like you, you got to be shitting me, right? Kind of questions. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of questions where like you need to know the actor. Okay, that's not that, that, that's not so bad. If people, well, it'd be horrible for a kid, but someone who studies the productions that shouldn't be so bad. Right. So I just want to go over a few that I know you'll probably get. Oh my god, you're gonna ask me questions? Yes. Oh, this is gonna be so much fun. Okay. Oh, I'm I'm super into this. This is a great idea. Question one: What did C-3PO say they had done to the Tantivive Four? Do you want me to give you the answer, the mm. multiple choice answers? What did they say they had done to the Tantive Tantive Four? Tantive, sorry. Well, I don't, I don't, I've heard multiple pronunciations of it, but I think the current in canon pronunciation most common is Tantive. Right, that's that's how it's spelled. So, what did they say they did? Can I get the choices? Okay, A shut down the main reactor. B disarmed it. C boarded it. D shut down the life support systems. Oh, the main reactor. That's the very beginning because they. They get they show the exterior and the Tantive gets hit by the blast from the from the Star Destroyer and then it cuts inside and it shows the two protocol droids in R two and these and C three PO says they've shut down the main reactor. That's the first line of the movie. I almost I'm sorry I just couldn't put the question in context based on the way it was worded. Okay, all right. Here's another one. Uh, no, this one's I want to I want to wait on this one. <laughs> okay, who is in charge of Echo Base on Hoth? Rakian. Very good. I'm killing this game. Who who said you are beaten? A. Darth Vader. B. Yoda. C. Luke Skywalker. D. The Emperor. Hmm. It's Luke Skywalker. It was Darth Vader. Damn it. Uh, Ahsoka says that, and it um, when she beats the seventh sister, and I want I wonder I'd I'd have to go through and watch all the cartoons again, but I wonder if it's 
kind of a classical Jedi thing to say once you've beaten someone. Like to tell them to stand down. Mm-hmm. Like I know exactly what, how this ends. Mm-hmm. Or it could just be an Anakin thing. She picked it up from Anakin and Darth Vader's yeah. throwing it back in Luke's face. Mm-hmm. What was Dud Bolt's homeworld? Uh, <laughs> should I know who Dudbolt is? Well, is if he you a were a Star Wars fan, sure. God damn it! I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cheat and look it up. Can I get the choices so I can guess? It's probably Malister. A. Voltur. B. Volptar. C. Volptur. C. Veltor. I'm going to punch you in the fucking face. Those are the choices. Yes, I didn't make this. You can blame the good people at the Cardinal Company. www cardinalgames.com um, It's definitely one of those four. I'm going to say it's Volter. Was I right? Was it Volter? No, it's it Volter. Should I look yep. up who Dud Bolt is now? If you want to. Alright, let's do one more. Okay, one more. Oh, he's the pod racer. He's the pod racer that has like the crocodile mouth. I actually really like that action figure. I, that, that that wouldn't have helped me because I don't know where any of those assholes are from. Oh, there's there's a lot of questions like that, and I, I can I can break this out from time to time. What was Rune Rune Hako's primary job during the Battle of Naboo? Rune Hako. Rune Hako was. Let's see. Rune Hako was one of the Nemoidians. Correct. And his primary job was probably being a stereotypical Asian. Um, no, I'll say that he was in charge of the droid control ship. Well, here are the choices. He was Newt Gunray's security officer. He no. was Newt Gunray's legal counsel. He probably. was a tactical expert. He maintained the droid army. Because that was so poorly executed, I'm going to say he was the lawyer. You're right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Because that's what a battle needs, is you, you need to have your lawyer there to tell you, like... Is that legal? <laughs> well, that's an awesome bit. I love that bit. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> hey, no problem. These were just sitting in my in the back of my son's closet because I was too afraid to, to use them because I would either, you know, walk triumphantly or hold my head in shame. And there's no way my son was getting, you know, nine-tenths of the questions. All right. Well, that was fun. Let's talk about Droids, Episode 7, Pirates of Tarnunga. So this is the continuation of the saga of Jan and uh, Manjupa, the um, guy who was uh, brainwashed and then became king. So it starts off with R2, C-3PO, and Jess. They're flying a fuel shipment to uh, Manjupa's planet. Right right away, a lot of slapstick starts. Pretty lame stuff with C-3PO slipping on oil. And there's some sort of malfunction. R2 fixes it. C-3PO claims they both fixed it. So R2 uh, shuts off some valve and C-3PO gets steam shot on his butt. Hilarious stuff, probably for a kid. Pretty hacky for the rest of us. Uh, they get to the cockpit. Jan calls them. He's wearing an X-Wing style helmet but he still has his weird ripped clothes that are ripped all the way down to his pants his costume is pretty strange yeah but i'll have to say like the opening of this episode even though that had that slapstick bit in it um i was pretty pleased it, it seemed like it had a purpose i didn't know what they were repairing the repairing part didn't have a purpose but it, it sort of dropped you into the action like they had a they had a purpose for being there they were doing something and then they were achieving that thing yeah I'll, i can agree with that and right away they're attacked by pirates who are in tie fighters but on the the wings of the tie fighter is a sigil for for a pirate who turns out to be 
Kaibo Ren Cha. We talked about him briefly last time. Yeah, the sigil is a wampa skull. Really? Yeah. That's cool. And and once you know that, it, it's pretty obvious um, that it's it's like the top half of a skull. You know, like the skull with the uh, mandible missing, the bottom portion of the jaw. Uh, that's what it's supposed to be. Wow, I I wasn't paying that much attention to it other than I just recognized the pattern like a like a good monkey might. Anyways, they're boarded by Kaibo Ren and some of his uh, goons. Jess and the droids are captured. Jan gives up so the pirates don't hurt Jess. They come to uh, Kaibo Ren's base. Jan and the droids are taken away. Jan is taken to be Kaibo Ren's special guest. And somehow in this sequence when Jan and the droids are taken away, C-3PO somehow falls. R2-D2 has some sort of like inflatable, I don't know, like mat, like the thing like the fire department has for jumpers. He just happens to have one of those that it inflates. C-3PO bounces on it, lands on his legs, but hurts his legs somehow. Yeah, he he's... He's not paying attention. They have to take this elevator down, basically. They're in Kaibo Ren's secret lair, and they're leading them off, and he's basically looking around in the lair and not noticing that the elevator is already left without him. And so he effectively steps off of a cliff. See, because it, it, yeah, it seemed to me like some sort of like Looney Tunes sort of stuff, like it, like where you have to be paying attention to the elevator to know that it's going down and to go along with it, that somehow he's just like, you know, somehow he's just there. Right, right. He's Wiley Coyote who ran out and kept running until he looked down. Right. It's sort of like that. I mean, it, I do like the inflatable mat or whatever you want to call it that comes out, even though when I was watching this with my kids the other day, my six-year-old said, I don't think he can do that. But I like the idea because I've brought it up before that if you're going to bother having a, uh, an R2-D2 in a cartoon, you might as well make him Inspector Gadget. Right. Because why not? Mm-hmm. Right. It's a stupid cartoon anyway. Just give him every single thing in his bag of tricks, you know, just let him do it. I mean, and there's, there's actual canon stuff like this, like BT in the... Afro comics, he somehow has a whole arsenal that just whips out. Well, yeah, I mean, they do it with R2 as well, right? R2's got a fire extinguisher. He's got these different probes that come out. I think it's in Empire where he gets electrocuted and like a dozen different tools pop out of him. Right, but those are just little tiny tools. You can, you know, it's reasonable to think that they're just like little arms here and there in little different compartments. But the but the R2 stuff in the in this cartoon and the B the BT stuff in the Afro comic, those are like huge rocket launchers that he has in the comic. Like where the hell they coming from sure i try not to think too much about it because i'm just kind of enjoying the the droids who are just you know like the evil r2d2 and c3po but anyway so i got off track there c3po just fell and landed and so he somehow damaged his leg joints and he has to pretty much squat walk uh for a while and they're brought to kaibo ren he's sitting at uh, on a throne and jesse's sitting next to kaibo ren she's got some energy manacles on kaibo ren's yelling at everybody to shut up because nobody nobody's listening to him and notice that one of uh one of his minions is a gamorian guard which is kind of cool i love that i mean i'm a huge gamorian guard guy i have a lot of gamorian guard action figures and it's one of my favorite favorite things from jedi mm-hmm. kaiba ren explains that how he saw through their their decoy ruse kaiba ren takes jan out to be fed to a sea monster called the Mirrodon, which is essentially the Loch Ness monster of the droids universe. Yeah, it's a plesiosaur. It looks exactly like it. Jan gets dropped in, uh, a la Luke, into the Sarlacc, and the droids fall in, and 
basically somehow talking about R2 and his endless implements, he has an oxygen tank with an oxygen mask. So he gets that to Jan and he has some sort of, he has some sort of uh, propeller come out of his, the top of his head and Jan uses him like um, one of those scuba, oh, I, sh- I should have probably looked up what those things are called. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, like the little under underwater propeller. Right. Like, like they're underwater foils that people hold on to with the little motor on them. There's a big chase with the Mirrodon, and C-3PO keeps on sinking. They grab him, and they finally escape into Kaibo Ren's hidden fortress. Now, something I didn't catch the first time I was watching this, or I didn't really think about it, but that this is very much Raiders of the Lost Ark in Nazi, secret Nazi base, mm-hmm. where it's, you know, it's all in a cave on an island. And they get in there and they see that Kaibo Ren is preparing for some sort of attack. Meanwhile, you find out that Kaibo Ren wants Jess to be, I don't know, his concubine or whatever it would, the, you know, the uh, kid-friendly droids universe version of a, a concubine would be. Right. Um, she tricks him into running around chasing a, shoot, what are those little things called? A remote. The remote. Oh my God, what's wrong with me? I got so drunk on my uh, uh, stumping you on that game that I've pretty much uh, drawn a blank on most everything else. And she tries to escape, but one of his henchmen stops her, and she gets brought back in. But she eventually escapes. Now, I noticed something funny about this guy. Did it look like he was wearing parts of a Stormtrooper armor? Um, I didn't. I didn't look too closely at what he was wearing. He's actually a pretty important character and he's the only named character for the the pirate group his name is jen oba and he's a species called a rapaga or maybe that's kaibo Ren species i don't remember but anyway he's a he's some gig, he's some giant who's yeah. kaibo Ren's enforcer and he comes up in in later episodes as well yeah and he's got a a big you know like septum ring a bull ring but uh he's wearing like white shoulder pads and a helmet that looks kind of like it's partially you know might have been from a stormtrooper at one point or another well if that's true i mean i can look i can look it up but if that's true i love that detail because i love the the used materials and repurposed materials i guess yeah he's way too big to to just wear normal stormtrooper armor but you know bits and pieces of it all right so everybody escapes Jess uh, escapes in the uh, tanker. Jan and the droids escape in the A-wing in the cockpit. Now, this is one of those space is pretty much relative when it comes to cartoons sort of thing. Because somehow Jan, C-3PO, and R2-D2 all fit in to the A-wing. Sorry, I was scrubbing. And he does look like he's wearing star Stormtrooper armor. So, yeah, I'm with you. He looks like he's wearing Stormtrooper armor. Sorry about that. So... Turns out Kaibo Ren has a Star Destroyer called the Demolisher. And this is a um, Star Destroyer design that I've never seen before. Yes, you have. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do this now or later? Um, let's do it later. Okay. <laughs> so Jan and the droids are captured. R2 and C-3PO are put to work loading munitions. They somehow escape and run into, and run into Jan. What Jan is doing out and not like in a cell somewhere, that's never really explained. Kaibo Ren is going to destroy the tanker with the fuel because the fuel that's in the the tanker is going to help uh, Anjulpa's planet fight uh, the pirates. But Jess escapes, and it turns out that the tanker was empty all along, that they were actually the decoy, So, and that the real tanker already made it. And eventually Julpa's 
A-Wings come to help them, but they're outmatched by the Star Destroyer Demolisher. But the droids sabotage the Demolisher, and it gets just all the systems come down, and they can't. They're pretty much dead in the water. And that's pretty much the end. The pirates are supposedly taken into custody. And the end of the episode is the droids are taking an oil bath. And Jan and Jess explain that they had to make the decoy look real. That's why they went through the process of fighting back and getting captured. So Kaibo Ren wouldn't wouldn't see through the ruse. So technically there was three. There was the decoy, the real one that was supposed to look like the decoy, and then the one that made it all the way through, which actually contained the fuel. Seems like a very convoluted plot, but whatever. Hard to argue with results. <laughs> yeah. And then this seems like a, a something that's ha- happening all the time in this show is that at the end, C-3PO tells R2-D2, let this be a lesson to you. Never be too sure of an easy victory, which, yeah, it's a good lesson, I guess. But I'm not really learning a whole much from droids, and I don't know if kids are really taking anything away from it either. And then afterwards, R2-D2 and C-3PO play with what looks like rubber bison bath toys. And then episode ends. One thing I did want to mention is that Jess said that Kaibo Ren's overconfidence was his weakness, which is very much a Palpatine reference. Ah, that is a Palpatine reference. That is the episode. What do you think? Um, without hyperbole, this is my favorite episode. Yes, this one was much better. This episode has everything, everything that I've complained about in the previous episodes is not in this episode. Things happen and there are consequences to those things. When they throw Jan overboard to be fed to the plesiosaur, to be fed to the Loch Ness Monster, in order to get away from them, they cut through an underwater gate or underwater net to get back Mm -hmm. into the base. And later in the show, the plesiosaur swims through the the hole they cut in the net to go in and wreak havoc in Kaibo Ren's base. And so that's a lot of continuity. That means that at some point the pirates installed that net for this purpose. And C-3PO and R2-D2 damaging that net causes something to happen that furthers the plot later. C-3PO is even scolding R2 for it, saying, like, you cut the net and let the dinosaur in here. And Jan's like, right. yeah, look, the dinosaur is tearing this shit up. Like, we like this. We like that this is happening. Are you stupid? Right. Yeah. I mean, I love that. That makes sense. This is exactly what I was complaining about with Barney last week when they took the they took the uh, bugs off of the dinosaur who was trying to eat Monjulpa. And it seems the dino- like, uh, yeah, it's, it seemed like like okay, this is gonna go somewhere. It's gonna it's gonna be their friend and help them. Yeah, but as far as we know, it just yeah just took a nap instead, right? Right. Right. It had no consequences and. And then the other thing is, I know you said the pl- the plan was convoluted, but they had a plan, right? And nothing in the plot contradicts what actually the plan was. In, in previous episodes, they have a plan, quote-unquote, but it doesn't make any sense, and they do things that contradict their plan, right? This seems mm-hmm. like they actually followed their plan, and then at the end they're like, oh, by the way, we had this plan, and we did it, and it worked, and so we won. And so we can criticize the plan, but like I said, it's hard to argue with those results. Right. Um, the dogfight... Like, they, there's a couple chase scenes in here. There was a dogfight in the beginning, and then there was, like, a speedboat chase. They were short, and they made sense, and they didn't, like, have that stretchy space-time property that a lot of cartoon chases have, where you just keep driving by the same thing over and over again. Even the chase with the plesiosaur underwater made sense, and it was nice to see that R2-D2 had his 
Inspector Gadget hat on and could work underwater, but C-3PO was completely handicapped, right? He kept sinking every time he wasn't doing something. The pacing was a little strange in that, but everything made sense again, right? They didn't, they basically had some rules and they followed them. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, this is a good episode. Um, if they were all like this, I would love this series, honestly. Mm-hmm. They referenced the original trilogy in appropriate ways. I mean, even ways I didn't notice because this is such a rich and good episode. I didn't notice that he was wearing Stormtrooper armor, but I went back and yeah, Genova is wearing Stormtrooper armor. And the arrogance, his overconfidence is his downfall. Palpatine reference, you're 100% right. I missed it. I was more focused on things like they threw Jan off of a skiff. Yeah, that was very, uh, very much uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, it's it's also one of my favorite vehicles in all of Star Wars is the uh, is the sail barge and the skiff, and it was here like plain as day. It's a skiff. So two things I noticed: one, the animation was particularly gruesome at certain things, at certain points. They'd focus just on Jan, and his face looked like. Do you ever have Play-Doh as a kid, and you tried to make it look like a face? Yeah. You know, as much as you know, could you could never get it just right. Sure. That's what Jan looked like. Yeah, there's there's definitely places where the animation fell down. And I'd have to rewatch all the episodes again, but because of the how the story went, if you took C-3PO out, they would still be the same. The episode would have run exactly the same. Mm-hmm. No, C-3PO contributed absolutely nothing. That's an interesting idea, is whether or not C-3PO plays a role at all in these episodes, or is he just supposed to be the fop? Like the the comic relief sort of Uncle Arthur unbewitched sort of character. There's been times where he's actually like bumbled into something. Or he's translated before, right? Yeah, and he did do one translation in this, but it was really not that important. It didn't move the plot along at all. Oh, right. He told Jan that he was going to be fed to the Mirrodon. Right. So they could have just left him off, you know, because usually, usually he just kind of like bungles and accidentally disarms somebody or, or or breaks something or does something correct. You know, this time, like he could have been completely, they could have said that, oh, he's, you know, he's on vacation or he's getting repairs or whatever. Well, I mean, he's the, he's the title character, so they're not going to put him off, but I see your point. Thanks for explaining to me how, uh, how TV shows work, man. <laughs> You're welcome. But yeah, I just thought it was peculiar that, like, wow, he's extra useless. I mean, he didn't even – didn't any – nothing. Just completely worthless this episode. And But I do have to say he was not nearly as annoying, though. Yeah, it's a, it's a good observation. I think – like I said, I think if they were all like this, and even the next episode, not to give anything away, The Revenge of Kaibo Ren, it's – also, like, a little subdued. I know it starts out with a bunch of slapstick where he gets steam shot out his butt and falls down like an elevator shaft and walks off the cliff and all that other crap. But uh it seems more reasonable to me somehow. Or maybe I've just been in a really hot bath for a long time and I don't notice it. Yeah, I, I have very little complaints about this episode. Cool. Well, now's the time. Well, I have a couple production notes I want to talk about. Oh, okay. okay. So there's two things I want to bring up. The Demolisher. So the Demolisher is a very interesting design for a Star Destroyer. It has a hangar bay in the front rather than coming to a point like the triangle-shaped ships we see. Mm-hmm. And this is actually a Gladiator-class Star Destroyer. That's how it's classified. Um, and there are three that appear in canon, at least three that appear not in canon, but in Star Wars. One is called the Demolisher, one is called the Insidious, and one is called the Blood Ambition. And the reason why I said you've seen one before is because one of these is in The Force Unleashed. 
And I know you like the Force Unleashed, but it might have just been in a fleet someplace and you might not have noticed. Right. Interesting. I'm trying to think of all the ships that you actually see in it. So you do see Star Destroyers in that game. Yeah, like you actually pull one down from the sky. And so I thought that was cool. I like the design. I think it makes sense. And uh, it's a small Star Destroyer. It only has 2,000 crew. It's often like an escort to a larger fleet of Star Destroyers. Basically, it's it's a laundry ship. It's like a cruiser to a battleship sort of thing. Mm-hmm. right? The cruiser follows the battleship. This is the cruiser, right? And the Star Destroyer is the battleship. Um, I liked it. I like the design. I like everything about it. I'm a big Imperial guy, not a sympathizer. I just like the, the culture of it. And so I I love Imperial officers. I love Imperial ships. This is a Star Destroyer I would not heard of because I never played The Force Unleashed. But once I looked it up, I was pretty happy that it existed and that it got out of the cartoon. Oh, we're going to see the ship again because do you remember the cybernetic Imperial at the pod race? Yes, I do. This is actually his ship that Kaibo Ren had stole, and uh, he recovers it, presumably now. And so it shows up in the last arc, the Rune Stones. And so he's he's on, I think his name is Screed. He's on the uh, Demolisher in later episodes. And the last thing I want to talk about is the, is the uh, oil bath. So this is also something that I enjoyed seeing, because we know that this is a thing. Obviously, C-3PO gets an oil bath when Luke buys him, or Uncle Owen buys him, in uh, New Hope, right? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're seeing this again. But there's also a really subtle reference that you actually touched on in the oil bath that's going on, and that is the bath toy. Uh, you said that it looked like a rubber yak. Or bison. Oh, you said bison? Mm-hmm. It's a bordock, and a bordock is a an animal from the Ewoks cartoon that we're going to be watching in a couple weeks. It's the beast of burden used by the Ewoks. So Droids is referencing the Ewoks production at this point in time, and it's because the Ewoks have now started airing. And these shows aired concurrently for a few months, and this is the overlap time. And so they're actively referencing the other production by putting this little stupid bath toys in for the droids. Interesting. That's cool. Yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to build this little universe, and they're doing it in a, in a not obnoxious way because it's just a bath toy right so there's that right. uh do you think see do you think r2d2 can take an oil bath i i assume they assume that all droids did because in a new hope c-3po is taking the oil bath and luke is basically scrubbing r2d2 with a with a brush true but i, I never really thought about that i i guess i assumed that it was just because um it was uh c-3po's turn you know, sure. he, he went first, and then R2 ran off before Luke could uh, Luke could do anything uh, anything with him. I don't even really fully understand the purpose of it, other than maybe just, just lubricating joints. Yeah, I always assumed because of C-3PO's active complaining about his joints freezing, and I assume not actually freezing, but freezing up because it's getting sand in there. I assume that the oil just got the sand out of there somehow and relubricated everything for him because it's not actually a bath right they just sort of dip him in it Mm -hmm. i looked very i went frame by frame in the bath scene in this cartoon looking to see if some disgruntled animator put a big robot cock on c-3po like the tops like the tops card i did not find it (laughs) oh it's a shame anyway that's all of my notes i think we get some more more Kaibo and the gang next week so we can talk about Kaibo species and that stuff. All right, sounds good. So do you want to do the episode ranking thing? 
Okay. How do you want to rank it? Uh, we pick a character, right? Yeah, or you know, do you use any kind of measurement? Well, like I said, this is my favorite episode, at least so far. I'm not going to give away too much about the last arc. And I do think that this provides a nice nice connectivity in between the first half and the second half of this um, internal arc with Jan and Jess and the Tamuzan people. So... Well, do you want to do a give a brief description of what um, uh, of just of the ranking? Yeah, sure. Why don't you do that? Now's the time where we rank the episode, and we use special Star Wars units where we give us the episode a rank based upon a character. So, a really great character, a uh, really great episode would be a Han Solo, a Darth Vader. A not so great episode might be a what was the name of that Newt Gungry lawyer? Rune Hako. Rune Hako, yeah. Yeah. So bad Rune Hako, great Luke Skywalker. So Matt, where does this lie for you? I'm gonna say and I think this is probably my favorite episode thus far, and it is an important episode for this arc. So it should be somebody that has some impact, but these cartoons aren't canon, and so not a lot of impact. So probably like a Bib Fortuna sort of character, someone who's there to move the plot along, but doesn't have doesn't have a whole lot to do themselves. And our first introduction to Twi'leks. Yes, he is the first Twi'lek. Well, right. no, he is the first, you're right. right. We immediately meet another right mm-hmm. after him. Yeah, for me, I would give this, I'd give this a Greedo. Really? It, yeah. Wow. It, um, like you said, you know, it was good. It did what it was supposed to do and it was entertaining while it was there. But it, you know, I'm probably not going to think that much about it afterwards. Much like Greedo after Han shot him. I don't think he thought twice about him. So I don't want to go too off the rails. Um, talking about Greedo now, but you brought him up. Um, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Why God? Why? So Greedo is a Rodian. And he gets wasted by Han Solo pretty quickly. And then if you're watching the remastered versions, um, there are several more Greedos in shots after that. They're all dressed the same. They all mm-hmm. look the same because, well, that's me being racist against Rodians, but they all look the same. And then if you, if you read, uh, about the production of later, later episodes, there is a Greedo in Jabba's Palace, but it's Greeda. And, that's right. I knew he had a very similar name. I actually think Greedo is a pretty important character, but uh, I'll, I agree with your ranking. Yeah, he's important, but not. This is uh, 2017 America, America, and my opinion makes it fact. So there we go. Well, I think that's it for episode eight of our podcast and episode seven of Droids. Um, we're going to continue our exploration of droids in episode nine next week. With the Revenge of Kaibo Ren, which, spoiler alert, is also quite a good episode, where there is a lot of politicking happening oh. on Tamuzan, and we all know how well Star Wars handles politics. So, wow, yeah, so it, this definitely was a dry run for the for the prequels. Yes, there is a negotiations, hard-fought negotiations in the next episode, and apparently there are purple people and blue people on this planet, and they like the race war. On that note, uh, why don't we wrap up episode eight? Uh, thank you for listening. Um, we're we're happy that anyone's listening, and we will continue to improve the more we do it. And we hope that you join us again next week. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. 
side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochvaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We will see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Da 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 da